Turn with me. There's, I shared about Abraham last time. I'm not going to repeat that. About, uh, we, we shared a little bit about Abraham. Uh, but I want to get into something else here now. If I can find my notes. Just bear with me a second. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we shared uh, Galatians 3, 14. We shared Galatians 3, 28 and 29. Blessing of Abraham is on us. Our identity is in Christ. And we're Abraham's seed. That means that the, uh, his chosen spiritual lineage, that means that the blessing, the, the promise and anointing and power to prosper, that's the blessing, is on us because of spiritual grandpa Abraham. And of course we read Genesis 13, verse uh, 2. And uh, 13 verse 2, uh, which says that God made Abraham rich in silver and gold and cattle. I don't think I read Genesis 14:23, and I meant to. So let me read that to you right now. Genesis 14:23. I don't think I had read that to you the last time. I had written it down, but I never read it to you. Yeah, I didn't read that. This is when he's, this is, you know, um, after he has communion. Uh, the bread and the wine with Melchizedek, and then the king of Sodom comes to him, and, uh, and basically, in verse 22, Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand, that means to swear an oath or covenant, unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abraham rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men that went with me, as uh, Aner, Ascol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So basically, he had gone and rescued Lot and the king of Sodom from these five kings. Remember, Chedel Omar was one of them. And they had a great slaughter with his 318 uh, minuscule band of, of, of people that were in his household that he had trained and, and armed for war. And against five kings, I mean, what, what, what a victory that must have been. Thousands of people in an army against 318 uh, people that were just trained by Abraham. I mean, they weren't even in the professional army. And yet God wrought the victory in a supernatural, amazing way. And now they're come. Melchizedek meets him after the slaughter of the kings. He gives a tenth, a tithe to Melchizedek of all the spoil, and then he has the bread and the wine. It represents Jesus, of course. We're not getting into that. But then as soon as that's done, then the, Sodom, the, the, the Sodomite king comes and says, uh, uh, you know, you, this, is, this, is, this is Sodom and Gomorrah, where, you know, all the homosexuality, what God eventually destroyed. But that king comes and says, listen, take, take, take the, you know, you deserve a reward. You, de you deserve to take spoil because you saved our lives. And can you imagine how much spoil and money and wealth must have been there? Now, remember, Abraham took a tithe and gave it to Melchizedek of the spoil. But the rest of the 90 percent basically technically was his because he overcame the kings that had stolen it from Sodom and, he, and, and Lot. And he had all that wealth in his hand. But he said, I'm not going to take, not only am I not going to take the spoil and the wealth, I won't even take a thread of a garment or a shoe latchet of a sandal. Why? Lest others say that the king of Sodom made Abraham rich. Now, this is an amazing statement. First of all, we see Abraham calls himself rich. Did you notice that, that the Bible just says it? The author of Genesis, which is Moses, years later by revelation of the Spirit of God on Mount Sinai when he wrote the Pentateuch, that, 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 that the author Moses says in chapter 13, verse 2, that Abraham was rich in silver and gold and cattle. It's just a statement. But now we see Abraham calling himself rich. And he is so pure-hearted that he says, listen, if I take all this, can you imagine how much money it must have been? Millions in our currency, millions of dollars. And it was 
was his. It was his for the taking because he technically beat the, the Chedorlaomer and the other five kings. It was his. He had a right to take it, but he deferred the right and he said, I could take it. Maybe part of me wants to take it, but I won't take it. I won't even take a thread of a garment or a shoe latchet of a sandal. Why? Because other people are going to say, and maybe you, king of Sodom, will also say that you made me rich, that because you gave me the spoil, that you were Abraham's source and you caused him to increase. And Abraham said, I would rather, now listen to the, listen to the power of the statement, I would rather not have the money. I would rather not have the increase and somebody else get credit for it. If I'm going to have increase, God must get credit for it. And if I take this increase, you're going to say that you made me rich. So I, I say, I don't even want that money. I don't want though that cattle. I don't even want it because I, I would rather not have it than to have somebody give you the credit. If I'm going to have it, they're going to give God the credit. The only one that's ever going to say that Abraham, who, who made Abraham rich, they're going to say God made Abraham rich. I love that. It showed that he wasn't money-minded. He wasn't covetous. If he was covetous and greedy and money-minded, he would have taken that, that spoil. But he wasn't. He was God-minded. And that's the, this is an example to us. We're supposed to be like Grandpa Abraham. We're not supposed to be covetous, money-minded, and greedy, and just taking anything that we can get our hands on. That's the world's way. The world will take anything they can get their hands on, whether it's acquired correctly or incorrectly, whether it's acquired honorably or dishonorably, whether other people give them credit for making them rich or whether God has got the credit for making them rich. They'll take the money. If they can get it, they'll take the money. That's the world's way. That's not covenant. The covenant way does not just take it because you can take it. The covenant way does not just take it because it's handed to you. Are you listening? Because this, this stuff will flip your wig and change its color and flip it back, back down on your head if you're listening. The covenant way does not just take it because it's offered. It does not just take it because you have a right to take it. The covenant way says, what are people going to say about me when I get this money? Who's going to get the credit when I get this money? Is some sinner, some worldly heathen going to get the credit? Or are people going to say, look at that man, he was faithful and God worked out, God worked wonders and God was the one that made him rich. Yes, he worked. Yes, he put his hand to it. Yes, he, he did in the natural part as well. But God's blessing was on him that made him rich. See, the covenant way doesn't want it unless God gets the credit. And that's a very important principle when we're talking about the anointing on us to prosper. We have to remember, we don't just take it by any means necessary or by any means available. We let God increase us and promote us the right way so that nobody else can get the credit and say, well, I made him rich or I opened the door for him and made him rich. And I can tell you that from my life, as much as I love my, my father, because his heart was right. He just, he didn't, he just wasn't right in the, in what he was saying, but his heart was right. He just didn't have a renewed mind because he wasn't born again. But he wanted to, he wanted to send me to the Ivy League school and pay for it. And he wanted me to, me to come work in his industry and use the contacts that he had and open doors for me. And, you know, I'll bypass this and put you in here and put you in this position. And then you, you can work hard and in five, 10 years, you'll be making at least 500 to a million dollars base salary plus, plus commissions. He, now, see, there's nothing wrong with that in one aspect. But you see, that was not what God wanted for me. And, and if I had done that, other people would have been able to say, well, his dad's 
favor made him rich. His dad's contacts made him rich. His dad's maneuvering made him wealthy. And you see, he would have got the credit, not God, but him, because he was the one that was trying to maneuver that. And his heart was right. He was trying to help and bless me. I'm not saying his heart was not right, but I'm just saying I'm giving you an example. Just because money is offered to you, just because certain things are offered to you, education or open doors or this or that, does not mean that you take it does not mean that you automatically just are money-minded, greedy, and, well, that's all, it must be God. No, not all money is God. And you got to learn that. No, I said, I'm going to do it God's way. And if I ever do get rich, which at that point, I didn't even care if I did or not. And, and I wouldn't call myself rich right now. I'm, I'm not, but I'm on my way, like all of us, praise God, to full supply. Hallelujah. But, but I, so I wouldn't call myself that right now, but maybe one day I'll call myself that. But I said, God, back then, all those years ago, I wasn't even thinking about rich. I just was so hungry to obey God and to preach and to do what he asked me to do. No matter where in the world or what that was or what it looked like, I just wanted to obey him. And I I said to my dad as graciously and honorably and politely and respectfully as I could. And I said, dad, I can't do it your way because your way is not God's way. And if, and if, and if I ever do become rich, I didn't have revelation like I do now. So I talked probably wrong back then. And I said, I don't care if I'm ever rich or not. And if I ever am, if God ever chooses to do that for me, now that's not a good, that's not good doctrine because back then I didn't know what I know now. Now I wouldn't say it that way. I know God wants it for me and I know God wants it for you. But back then I said, I I don't even know if I ever will be rich or not like you, Dad. But if I ever am, if that's, it, if that's what God wants for me, it's going to come from him. And nobody's going to be able to say that you or your friends or your context or your maneuvering was the reason that I, that I, that I made it. I wanted to be God and God alone is the reason that he made it. So what I'm saying, I'm giving you a little example. Abraham had to make a choice there. I had to make a choice there. You know, Pastor Matthew, precious, precious Pastor Matthew, one of the things that I was highly concerned about and warned about by other ministers who have done works in Africa and who have seen some of the African way is that not everybody, there's exceptions obviously, but in many cases, many cases, because of the poverty and because they, uh, they have sold nothing over there, sometimes they will hook on to an American or Canadian or first world minister, but the motive in the African minister is skewed. They're only doing it because of money. They think they're gonna get rich by hooking up to your ministry. And Pastor Dr. Brother Jerry Savell warned me because he encountered that when he had his work in Kenya many times over. Pastor Jay warned me because he's encountered that with his work in Nigeria many times over. And other ministers that have had works in Africa warned me and said, the one thing that you've got to vet in this, in this spiritual son that, that you want him to go and do your work in Africa is the question of money. You have to know that he's not just in this for money, that he's not using you for money, and that yes, God will bless him, but his motive must be right. So I, when I would, in that year and a half, two years of developing relationship with Pastor Matthew, I would ask him question after question after question about his past, about, about money that he's made, about offers that he was given. And, and, and he began to, sh he didn't share it with me, but he only shared it because I asked. He wouldn't have shared it otherwise. He wasn't bragging or trying to make himself look good. But in the discussion, in talking to him, I would ask him pointed questions and he would then be forced to answer. And, and I discovered after research and, and questioning and investigation that on more than one occasion, I believe if memory serves correct, it was either two or three occasions while he was in Africa. I mean dirt, dirt poor. I mean couldn't at one point afford to buy shoes that poor 
in, in Liberia. You know, war-torn, civil war-ravaged Liberia, where there's like 80% unemployment on a good year. I mean, it's, it's just astronomical, the poverty there. And he was, a, he was a, a church planter, but, I mean, they don't pay them there like, you know, like we pay people here. And just broke, dirt, poor. At one point, couldn't even afford shoes. And he had a minister come from, I believe it was Virginia or, no, it was in the Carolinas. I can't remember if it was north or south. And another one from Minnesota. I think there were three, but just to be safe, I'll say two because I don't want to exaggerate. But I think he said three. But I know for sure there was two. One from the Carolinas and one from around the, I think it was Minnesota or one of those northern states. And they heard about his work. They heard about what he was doing because they were connected to the denomination that Pastor Matthew worked with. And they basically offered him a, to come to the United States, which is, a, which is like winning the lottery, come to the United States, they offered him to buy him a home. The ministry would have paid for a home in the United States, free of charge for him, give him a home. And they were offering him a very, even by American standards, forget the African standard. They, I mean, you know, it's astronomical amount of money in the African standard. But even in the American standard, even by their standard, it was a very, very good salary because he told me the amount. And that was a very good salary for somebody doing what he would be doing. And they said, come, we believe in what you're doing. Come over here. We'll give you a home. We'll give you a healthy, fat salary in U.S. dollars. And you can still go back, back and forth, live here, and then go there. We'll pay all your travel, pay your plane ticket, and we'll get you a house in Africa. And you go and you just plant churches. Do what you're called to do. Plant churches, but, but do it under our ministry. Do it under our authority so that we're, we're in control of what you're doing. But we'll pay you. And you do that and we'll give you a house here. I'm telling you, I mean, that is a, that is a beyond a dream come true for a, for an impoverished African minister. And the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, they are not your father's say no. Now you understand something when somebody offers you a free, basically lottery win, that's what it is equated to for him. And you are told by God to turn it down because they're not the person you're supposed to submit to. That takes incredible character to be able to say no and to turn down something that would have changed his life financially for the positive. It takes incredible character. It takes a motive being pure. He didn't want anybody. He didn't want to miss God. And he didn't want anybody to say, these people made me rich. He wanted God. He wanted God to get the credit. And he wanted to obey the call of God and submit to the one that God had for him. And he turned. Then another, other, the other minister had said the same kind of thing, come to the States and they'll build them a house in Africa and they'll give him a fat salary and he can plant churches till his heart's content, his heart to, to his heart's delight. And uh, just a dream come true. I I mean a dream come true for an impoverished African minister and a second time the Holy Ghost said they are not your father say no and he turned down a second opportunity anybody that was a fleshly carnal money-minded covetous greedy person that was just after money would have said yes God you say well was that God I'm telling you hundred percent those people didn't realize it. They were offering him something that wasn't the Holy Ghost. But a lot of people offer things. Their hearts are right, but, but they're not being led by the Spirit. They're just doing what's best, what they can see in their natural mind and what they can see with their eyes. And they're doing what they think is best. And their heart's right, but it's out of the will of God. And so these people were actually being, these ministers were actually being used of the enemy to tempt 
Pastor Matthew, but God, see, God doesn't tempt us. Remember, James says, don't say that God tests us. God doesn't test us. The devil tempts us and tests us, not God. But in the temptation, in the test, God can reveal our motives, although he didn't author the temptation. Do you understand? So these ministers not being led by the Spirit, out of the will of God, are being used of the devil to offer him something which is really a trap to get him out of the will of God, but it looks good to the natural. Their hearts are right, but they're not being used by God properly. It's a temptation and a test for Pastor Matthew to pass, and it came from the devil, not from God, because God does not tempt us. But in and through that temptation, God can still uh, cause our motives to come to the surface. He didn't author the test, but through the test, he can see what we're made of. What is our true colors? What is our metal? What metal are we made of? And Pastor Matthew passed that test on more than one occasion, two or three times, he passed that test. An impoverished man turning down a, a, a dream, dr free home, a dream, <clears throat> money, free travel, doing his work in Africa, being in the States whenever he wanted to be. I'm talking about a dream come true, turned it down more than tw two times because he wanted to, the call of God and to obey God. And I believe that even though God didn't author that, God looked at that and he said, my boy passed that test. And I don't know if God would have ever brought him into our lives if he hadn't have passed that test. And so despite all the warnings from the ministers around me about Africa and the dangers of starting a ministry there and people taking advantage of you and people being greedy and money grabbing and, and, and all they're trying to do is go on your coattails to get rich, I knew when, when he started talking to me about what he had passed these tests and his motives and his heart had been revealed through these tests and he hadn't succumbed to covetousness and greed. I knew this man is the real article. He's the real McCoy. He's the real deal. Because any person that doesn't bow and give in to money shows their heart is right. The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart is. Where your money is, your heart is. But it also says you can't serve two gods. You can't serve God and mammon. You can have money, but you can't serve money. You can't love money. It's the root of all evil. First, First Timothy 6 talks about it's the root of all evil. The love of money. Not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. So you're not supposed to love money, and you're not supposed to serve money. In other words, it's your master. You serve God. He's your master and you use money as a tool to take care of your Mickey Mouse needs and to fulfill the vision that he's called you for the kingdom of God. But money is a, is a mirror reflection of the heart. If somebody can pass money tests, it shows in many ways their heart is pure. And so I looked at Pastor Matthew. I'm talking about the anointing to prosper. We're still talking about the anointing to prosper. But when we're talking about prosperity, there's a lot of different facets of this diamond that I'm discussing because you can't just talk about confession and you can't just talk about sowing and giving and reaping. There's a lot of elements to the anointing to prosper that you got to understand if it's going to work right for you. And one of those elements is what we read here in Genesis 14, where he said, I, I won't even take it because I, you, God won't get the credit. And see, there's a heart there that says, I want to make sure I'm in the perfect will of God. Money is not the goal. Being in the perfect will of God is the goal. Money is not the goal. That's not the objective. Getting rich is not the objective. Being in the perfect will of God is the objective. And giving God glory and making sure he gets credit, that's the objective. And I passed that test in my life. And believe you me, I, I, I could feel that temptation working on me. 
to quit the ministry and not even to go to Bible school and to go to some fancy Ivy League school and have a lot of people pat me on the back and have a degree behind my name and go into high-powered finance. And, and I have a brain for it. Believe me, I'm smart enough that I could do it. My dad could see that in me, that I was smart enough that I could do it. But I, I, I didn't want to become rich man's way. And I didn't want man or me or him or anyone to get the credit. I wanted, if I'm going to get rich, I want to do it God's way. And back then I said, if, because I didn't know the doctrine I know now. Now I'd say, yes, I'm going to be fully supplied because that's the perfect will of God for me and for every believer. But I want to do it God's way. I want God to get the credit. I don't want to do it in a greedy way. I don't want money to be the objective. God honoring him and fulfilling his plan is the objective. So we see here that having a heart, the right heart regarding money is absolutely critical to whether God can truly bless you with the anointing to prosper. You must have, you must have a heart to give him credit and you must have a heart that would reject offers like Pastor Matthew, like me, like Abraham. You must have a heart to reject offers that the Lord says reject and not just take money because it's offered to you. Praise God. Then of course, when Pastor Matthew hooked up with us and God told him he's your spiritual father, and he submitted to me, and, and God's been unveiling and, and unfolding this beautiful flower and this beautiful path is being unfolded month by month. And I, I love him now more than I did when I first met him. I love him more and more every month because God is just solidifying that covenant relationship. Praise God. But, you know, I, I, I'm sure maybe the thought must have come to him when I said to him, when we got hooked up, I said to him, I said, listen, I said, I will sow and I will help you as best as I can. But I'm not I'm not a money train and you just can't trust and count on me for everything. And you're going to have to use your faith. And if you don't have faith because you don't know what it is, I'll teach you what it is. But you're going to have to bring some faith to this equation. Don't just look at me to fund everything in Africa. I'm not just the, the funding station that pays for everything. I'll do my part as I'm led by the spirit. But nobody He's going to take advantage of me and you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to use your faith, son. You're going to have to get on your knees and you're going to have to start using your faith and I'll teach you how to do it so that, so that God, that God blesses and prospers you. I may be one avenue through which he prospers you, but I'm not certainly going to be the only avenue. And I bet you the thought probably crossed his mind. Well, you know, if I'd gone with the other guy, the other guy didn't say that. The other pastor from up north and the pastor from the Carolinas, they didn't say that. They didn't say I had to use my faith. They said they'd give me a house. Pastor Craig's not giving me a house. They said they'd, they'd, they'd pay for my free travel. Pastor Craig doesn't pray for my travel all the time. Sometimes I do, but not all the time. Uh, they said that they would give me a fat salary. I, I didn't, they didn't say I had to use my faith. They just gave me a free pass. Why is, why is, I got a short end of the stick. Why is Pastor Craig? God, why did you ask? him to be my spiritual father, I'm getting the short end of the stick. Oh, well, it depends on how you look at it. You see, if you're looking at it like you just want a free handout, then yes, he is getting a short end of the stick, but that's not how God looks at things. What God looks at things is faith is the most precious commodity you have. It's far more important than money. And God knew that going to those ministers, even though he would have planted churches, they don't know what I know. They don't know what Pastor Nancy knows. They don't have the impartation that is in this ministry and that is in my heart and that is in this office. And God knows, God knew that if he went with them, he would not have developed his faith. It would have just been a handout. And if anything went wrong with those ministries and the money stopped flowing, he'd be in big trouble because he doesn't know how to use his faith to be, able, to be able to go out on his own. But God knew that even though it would be tougher on him and not as much of a free, a free ride and a free handout, God knew if he hooks him up with me, I'll teach him how to use his faith. 
I'll be an avenue, one avenue stream that God will use to bless him and to sow into him, but I'm going to do everything. And God knew that by hooking up with us and Pastor Nancy, that we would teach him how to use his faith, that how is he going to believe God and not just rely on others, but how can he use his own faith to see God do a mighty thing financially in Africa? God knew that, and that's why God did it. And I'm telling you, God won't always just put somebody in your path to just give you everything. Sometimes God will lead you into maybe a little bit of a, a tougher season because he, it's not that he's trying to hurt you. He's trying to get you to use your faith. He's trying to teach you to use your faith because if it's always handed to you, you catch a fish for a man, you got to fish for him every day for the rest of his life. But if you teach the man to fish, he can catch the fish himself and you're not on the hook anymore. If you can teach people to use their faith, then God will honor their faith and God will come through for them directly and you don't always have to bail them out every time. I'm teaching Pastor Matthew how to fish. I'm teaching him how to use his faith. I'm teaching him what confession means. I'm teaching him what these eight C's mean. I'm teaching him how to get it when you got nothing. When you got less than nothing, faith will cause it to come to pass. Faith will pull it from the invisible realm into your realm. And faith is far more precious than money. Faith is far more precious than handouts. I can have a handout and be taken care of, but if I'm uprooted and plucked out and put in a gutter somewhere and I don't have faith, I'll stay in that gutter unless somebody else gives me a handout. But I'm telling you, with what I know, somebody could pluck me out and put me in a gutter and take strip everything from me because I've got something more important than money. I've got faith and I know how it works and I know how it operates and I can be in a gutter with faith and before long I'll be in a house and before long I'll be in a mansion because faith will cause me to increase and overcome and money is limited. It's just a tool but faith is limitless. Faith is of the realm of God. Faith is God's currency, not money. It's God. God's currency. So what matters is that you are around and building your faith, not just getting free handouts. But I said all that to say Pastor Matthew's motive was so pure and precious. And when you see somebody handle the money tests and come out passing those tests with flying colors, you know you can trust them. God knew he could trust me because my motive on money has always been pure. And back then I didn't ever think. In fact, my son asked me, my, my, my second son, Cole, asked me the other night, he said, Dad, did you ever think that you'd have a house, a nice house like this? Did you ever think you'd drive a nice car and, and have a nice watch and, you know, have this and have that? And I said, absolutely not. I really didn't, son. I said, and I know that doesn't sound like I'm, I'm a very ambitious person, but I said, I, I really didn't, son. I said, my only, my only goal was I just want to preach and I want to obey God. And if that means being a base for a season, no problem. If that means being in a gutter, no problem. Because I know I won't stay there. I know that I'll abound. But all I wanted to do was obey God. And that's before I even understood faith. Uh, when I was in India, like I shared last Wednesday, whenever it was, about that, that time when I got sunburned and God dealt with my motives. When I was in India, I didn't understand faith. That was before the days of Dad Hagen and, and Dad Dufresne in my life. I didn't understand faith. So at that point, if you had said, will you use your faith to, for money and to, and to have financial increase? I'd say, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to do that. So God wasn't even dealing with me about faith back then because he knew I didn't understand it. What he was dealing with me is about my motives. And I had to get to the place where even if I was abased for the rest of my life, which we know scripturally is not possible, but he was testing. He not, I don't say testing because God doesn't test, but he was asking me about my motives of my heart. Even if you were impoverished, 
If I asked you to live in a third world country forever, if you had nothing but a shack forever, but you were in my perfect will and you were doing and preaching and fulfilling and honoring and pleasing me, would that be okay? Or are you only doing this ministry stuff because you want fame and fortune? Because you want money and people to recognize you and and pat you on the back. And so I had to get to the place. It was a dying of self. I had to get to the place where I said, Lord, I truly, even without revelation on faith, I still knew enough, even back then, even as a young 21-year-old, I knew enough to say, Father, I know that you'll never leave me in poverty because it's not your way. But I want you to know that if that was my lot, so to speak, if that's all I would, was ever going to have, I'll do it wholeheartedly. I'll, I'll sleep in a gutter if I have to. I, I'm, not, I'm not in this for money. I'm in this for you. I'm truly, pure-heartedly in this for you. I just want to honor you. This world and what I get or don't get is pales in comparison to the rewards waiting for me on the other side. Now, even in a simple 21-year-old heart, not a, didn't know what faith really was and didn't have revelation about prosperity, no revelation about prosperity like I do today. But God was still looking at my heart and saying, would you be willing? Are you just doing this to use me? Or are you doing this because you love me and you honor me? And every person has to come to that place where even though you know he will bless you, you don't obey him attached to a blessing. You obey him because he's worthy of your obedience because he died for you. And don't matter whether you're blessed or not, he died for you. He shed blood for you. He brought you into an eternal kingdom called heaven. It don't matter what this earth brings or doesn't bring. You're going to do it for him because you love him and because you honor him. That must be the core motive. Now let me tell you something. If that's the core motive of your heart, God can trust you with money. God can easily increase you. If that's the core motive of your heart, that you're not doing it for money, you're doing it for him. Now, you know, if, if you've, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. You know that God will increase you if you obey him. I didn't even know that back then. I really thought it was a possibility for me to be impoverished because remember my dad told me that I'll be broke, that I'll never have a nice suit, I'll never own a home, and I'll never drive anything but a beat-up old Chevy. That's what he told me, that, that I was never going to amount to anything financially if I preached the gospel. And, and, and I didn't know any of the doctrine that I know, so I kind of just believed what he said is, well, that's, he's smarter than me, and he's a multimillionaire. He probably knows what he's talking about. Well, maybe that is what is going to happen. You know, not, not today if somebody said that, I'd say, no, I know enough. I know too much of the word now. I've got revelation on faith, and I've got revelation on prosperity. So I, 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 you, you just, the, bus, the train has left the station. I, I, you can't lie to me. I, I, I'm too late. I, I, it's, it's over. I, God's already revealed to me what truth is. But back when I was a, a, young, a young man, I didn't have truth revealed to me. So the devil could take advantage of me because of my lack of knowledge. And words from my father and others and my other family members who weren't saved, you know, they kind of haunted me a little bit. And I thought, well, maybe that is my lot in life. I don't know. But I still will do it if that's my lot in life because I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this for Jesus. You see, now that pleases God. Now today, all these years later, with all the things that God has done, all the mistakes I've made, but all the blessings that God's given me despite, 
And I'm in a totally different place doctrinally and a totally different place financially than I was at 21. And now I know what the Bible says and I've got doctrine and I know what faith is, which I didn't know back when I was in India. But if you would ask me the same question today that God asked me in that little loft of that pastor's house when I was recovering from that sunburn, would you do it for me even if you stayed abased? I would answer the same way, but with a little bit of a different tone to it. I would say, Father, if I'm obeyed for the rest of my life, which, now this is the new part I'd add, which I know couldn't happen because your word says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So I know that I'll eat the good of the land. But if you're asking me hypothetically, now I wouldn't have said that back then because I didn't know that. But if you're asking me hypothetically, would I li- do what I live this life and preach the gospel? And would I do it and not have any financial gain and live in a shack in a third world country? But if I know that God is pleased and I'm in the perfect will of God, would I still do it? Even if you asked me that today, with what I know about faith and prosperity, I would still say 100% I would do it with a smile on my face. Because I'm not doing it for money. I'm not doing it for wealth. I'm doing it for Jesus. Now, if you've got that strong in your heart, when you find you're abased, you'll be okay because you weren't doing it for money anyway. And when you find you're abounding, you'll be okay because you weren't doing it for the money anyway. Do you understand? If you're doing it out of a lust for money, if you're obeying and doing all this stuff out of a lust for money, when, then money is your focus. And when you're abased and you're struggling, well, it's going to really bother you. Because money is your focus and you don't have any of it. And when you're abounding and you're prosperous, it's going to get to your head and it's going to distract you. Because money is your money is your servant, money is your master. Money is what you're doing it for. So when you don't have it, it hurts you and bothers you. And when you've got lots of it, you turn away from God and you get distracted. When money's the goal, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot or whether you have anywhere in between, you're susceptible to the lies of the devil. But when God is your goal, when God is the reason you're doing it, you know he'll bless you, but you're not doing it in order for him to bless you. You're doing it because you love him. You keep your motives right. When God is the focus and he's the master, not mammon, not money. When you're abased, it's okay because it wasn't about money anyway. It's about God. And you can rejoice in contentment and godliness. When, when, you've got, when you know God, that's godliness, and you've got contentment which is a place of peace where you can use your faith in a place of peace there's great gain there's joy there's happiness because you know i may have nothing right now but it's about to change so when you god's in it and you're a base it doesn't bother you and when you're doing it for god and you've got lots of money and you're prospering and you've got blessings coming out of anywhere everywhere and you're just blessed 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 it doesn't bother you it doesn't get to your head it doesn't make you proud it doesn't make you think you're better than other people it doesn't make you distracted it doesn't cause you to turn away from the ministry and go and get a yacht and go on the ocean and, and quit preaching none of that happens because god was the focus when god's the focus and you're abased you're fine because your faith knows you're coming out when God is the focus and you abound you're fine because you know it's just a tool and nothing will distract you from him God must be the focus this is what I'm trying to get over to you this is what the Holy Ghost is trying to get over to you through me in this message tonight God must be the center he must be the nuclear core he must be the first love he must be the center he must be the main event he's not a side event he's the main event You don't obey him. You don't come to church. You don't follow the word in order to try to get a payoff and get rich. You do it because Jesus asked you to do it. You do it because he's worthy because he died for you and because you love him more than anything.
That's the motive. Pastor Matthew didn't go into ministry for money. He went because God asked him. I didn't go into the ministry for money. I went because God asked me. And at that time, I didn't even know if I would be broke. And I still did it. Now I know I won't. But I would still do it regardless because I'm doing it for God. Abraham didn't do it just to take. Abraham did it because he wanted God to lead him. He wanted God to get the credit. I'm telling you the truth about it. You've got to listen to me. You've got to search your own heart. Every person must do it themselves. I can't do it for you, and I can't do it for Taylor, and I can't do it for Peter. They have to search their own heart. They have to get, you have to get to the place where you say, Father, I know you're going to bless me when I'm willing and obedient, but I'm not willing and obedient in order to be blessed. I'm willing and obedient because I love you and because you're first. And the overflow of that, the byproduct of that, the reward of that is I'll eat the good of the land. I know that, but I didn't do it for that reason. I did it for you. Keep always that in your heart. And then no amount of lack of money or no amount of excess of money is going to shake you, is going to move you. Because it wasn't about the money anyway. It was about Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you see the balance in what I'm saying? Can you see the, 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 the purity of what I'm saying? Do you understand that? And let me tell you that Pastor, Pastor Nancy is, is, is so masterful in her heart about this. She talks about prosperity, but she's got the same kind of purity. Dr. Savell, who's a, who's a prosperous man. Jesse DePlantis, who's a prosperous man. Kenneth Copeland, who's spiritual father to all of them, who is a very prosperous man. They know him. You don't. I don't know. I met him, but I don't know him personally. They all know him, talk to him, have his cell phone number. They tell me stories because I can't talk to him directly, but they talk to him directly, and from what they t- and I trust that Pastor Nancy's telling me the truth, and I trust that Jerry's telling me the truth, and what they tell me about 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 Brother Copeland, Grandpa Copeland, what they tell me is that he is one of the most pure-hearted, one of the most kind, excessively generous, and 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 with such a pure heart after God. That even though he is blessed and even though he teaches on prosperity, he doesn't do it for that. He does it because he has a deep love for Jesus and for the Father. And the result of his obedience is blessing, but it wasn't the motive. The money wasn't his motive. Honoring God was his motive. And God has sure blessed him. And they have told me story after story after story of what an, what an honorable, what a pure-hearted, without guile, without money-hungry, covetous, or greedy man he is. What are the most generous human being? They've all said he's one of the most generous people they've ever seen in their entire lives. And, Je- and Jerry is the most generous man I've ever met in my entire life. I've traveled with him. I've, I've, I've been in many, I've spent many days with him on the road in Europe and in America and in Canada. And I watch him, how he treats people, total strangers, perfect strangers, how kind he is to them. And, and, and you know, he, we were in an airport once and there was a, you know, there was a, a guy that, you know, carries a luggage and, and, uh, and he came up and I said, no, it's okay, I'll help him because I'm there to carry his bag. So, and I said, no, sir, I've got it. And he says, no, Craig, he said, let, let him do it. And I said, sir, that's my, I'm here to carry your bag. He, no, don't rob me. And he said, let him do it so I can bless him. Most people are trying to hold on to their dollars. And here's Jerry who's got somebody to carry his bag, one of his sons, me. And he's saying, let him do it. Let him do it. I get a chance to bless somebody. And that man, I mean, he might have carried it 100 meters, and they weren't even that heavy. 
and I saw Brother Jerry hand him a $100 bill, and, and I thought to myself, that's kind of excessive, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't you dare. Don't you dare judge a man that's sowing seed. I thought, but Lord, we should just sow seed into Christians. And I heard the Holy Ghost correct me a second time. Don't you dare. When I tell him to sow, he sows. It's none of your business who he sows into, and it's none of your business whether they're saved or not, and it's none of your business how much he sows. You let him sow. I told him to sow. God knew that young man. God knew what that young porter was going through in his life. And God was blessing that man through Jerry. And here's Jerry looking for an opportunity to sow. Most of us are looking for an opportunity to hoard. Here is a man looking for an opportunity to sow. And that's just one story. I can tell you a dozen, more than a dozen. The most generous human being I've ever met in my entire life and one of the most prosperous financially that I've met in my entire life. He is far wealthier than any other person that I personally know is Dr. Jerry Savelle. Why do you think God's blessed him like that? Because he's generous and he's a sower. And he's told me stories about Jesse, who's one of the wealthiest men where he lives, but he's also one of the most generous men where he lives. And he's told me, he's told me about, about Brother Copeland, and he's, he hasn't told me that many specifics, but he's told me Brother Copeland is one of the most generous people you'll ever meet in your life, and that's one of the reasons he's the most prosperous. So you see here, you see what, I'm, you see what we're trying to talk to you about tonight. Everybody says they want to be blessed, but what does that really mean? First of all, you've got to make sure that you're doing this for the right reason. You're doing this for the Lord. And then whether you're abased or you're abounding, it's not going to shake you. If you're abased, you're going to believe, use your faith, and you'll start to abound. And when you abound, it won't distract you and turn your heart cold. Because it was for Jesus. He's first. And you also have to learn to become a generous person. A, look, a looker for opportunities to sow. Because the more you sow, the more God can bring into your lap through a harvest. Praise God. A lot of people look at these men that, and these women that are examples of prosperity to the body of Christ. And they say, oh, yeah, they probably got it from their paycheck or got it from the ministry or maybe they stole it. You know, people pass judgment all the time. But a lot of them, most people, everybody that says that kind of nonsense has no idea that it was started with a pure heart. And it wasn't even about money. It was about God. It's, and it continued with using faith and learning what faith really is and sowing, sowing generous seed and time. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And over time with faithfulness starts with the right heart, using your faith, sowing generous seed and being faithful, which takes time. You put those ingredients together, right heart, right motive, using faith, generous seed sower, and faithful over time, because it doesn't happen overnight. You put those four things together, what is the result? What, it equals what? Something on the other side of that equation, harvest, increase, prosperity. I've, I'm looking at it in these people's lives, and they're proving that it works. And to a much smaller measure and degree, because I'm not as old as them, and I haven't had as many opportunities as them. But to a lesser degree, you're looking at it in your pastor's life, and I'm telling you, it works. But you've got to have the right heart. That's what I'm focusing on. You got to have the right heart. Can't just be about money grabbing. You got to have the right heart. You got to use your faith. You got to have revelation of what faith is and that God wants you blessed, like I've been teaching in this series. You got to have the right heart. You got to use your faith. You got to know God wants to bless you. You got to know the devil wants to stop it. You've got to not wait on God, but release your faith. Then do those eight C's 
And while you're worshiping and praising him, you're just wait, then you wait on God for him to manifest it. So you've got to do your part. It's not just about God. You've got to do your part. Amen. He's not going to stop the devil for you. You stop him with your authority. He wants to bless you, but you've got to release your faith. So you've got to have the pure heart, right motive, and you've got to understand how the laws of faith work. And you've got to sow seed and be a generous giver. If you're stingy, you might as well just pack your bags and go home because the trains left the station without you. Nobody gets richly blessed that's stingy. No one. Praise God. And sometimes your flesh feels a little bit of a, when God says, so that I know I do, I'm not stingy, but I can feel, oh my God, Lord, because your flesh doesn't want to yield, but God's setting you up for a breakthrough. You got to have a right heart. You got to understand the laws of faith and you got to be a generous sower and you've got to be faithful. You can't just do this. And in six months, it doesn't work. You go, oh, that didn't work. Six months is nothing. I'm a young man and I've been preaching for 29 years. And even, even still I'm waiting on certain things to manifest. And some stuff's only manifested recently that I've been believing God for 15 years. I'm not saying it's going to take you 15 years, but I'm going to say don't get this attitude like in six days you're going to shoot the moon. Faithfulness takes time. Just keep showing up. Just keep standing your ground. Just keep tithing. Just keep being generous. Keep your faith going. Keep your worship going. Keep your right living going. Don't quit. Don't take spiritual holidays and fall into sin and doubt and unbelief. Just be faithful. And if you're faithful and you're generous and you understand faith and do it and your heart is pure and clean, I'm telling you, you're a candidate for a great increase. Hallelujah. Remember what God said the last time I preached on this Wednesday night, that God is passionate, vehemently passionate According to Genesis 15, verse 1 or 2, I think it's 1, 15, verse 1, God is vehemently passionate about increasing your paycheck. It says pay, compensation, wealth, or reward. So take your pick. God is passionately increased, passionately, uh, he's vehemently passionate, excuse me, to increase your pay, your compensation, your reward, your financial status. He wants to reward you. Oh, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. But he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is. We've got to believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And we could add and release their faith because Hebrews 11 is all about faith. So it's not just seeking him, it's seeking him and releasing your faith. Because the first part of that verse says, without faith, you can't even please him. So obviously, if he's going to reward you, he has to be pleased with you. If he's pleased with you, you've released faith because you can't please him without faith. So we automatically know by that verse that he is a rewarder of those that use their faith because it pleases him and those that are diligently keep going on seeking. And what does that diligent word mean? It means faithfulness. Those that diligently seek him, really that word in the Greek is also included with the idea of pursuit. It's not just you're seeking God, you're pursuing God. Faith with God is pleased. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God, all of us are coming to God, must believe first that he is, and we believe that he is. We must have released our faith to please him, and we have. And we must believe that he's a rewarder of those individuals that are faithful in their pursuit of him. That's really what it's saying. You've got to be diligent and faithful in your seeking and pursuing him. Are you diligent and faithful, or in six months do you quit? Are you listening to me? Because I'm trying to help you. 
It will work for you like it works. It's starting to work for me like it's been for many years working for Jerry and for Pastor Nancy and for others. God doesn't love them more than he loves you. Just because they're in the ministry doesn't mean they've got a leg up. Faith is the same in every sphere and in every life. If you release your faith, it'll work for you. If they release their faith, it will work for them. But you've got to have a pure heart. And you've got to release your faith. And you've got to be generous and so. And you've got to be diligently faithful in your pursuit of God. He's a rewarder of them that faithfully pursue him. He will reward. Faith always gets a reward. My God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know where the time went, Reverend Taylor. Sometimes the anointing comes and poof, there the time disappears. The Lord is with us. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, none of those were that, none of that was in my notes, Reverend Taylor. That all came from Genesis 14, 23, which I forgot to read last time. <laughs> and I didn't even know I had forgotten to read it until I saw it. And I felt the Lord prompt me and say, read that. And I guess I didn't know that 40 minutes was going to come out of that. Praise God. Abraham was rich. He called himself rich. The author calls him rich in 13 verse 2. He calls himself rich in 14 verse 23. Lest anyone say that you have made Abraham rich. He's talking about himself. Abraham acknowledged and was not embarrassed of the fact. Did you notice that, Taylor? He was not embarrassed to say that he was rich. He acknowledged God's blessing on his life. And if you're going to have the blessing of God on you, you shouldn't be embarrassed of it. You shouldn't care what other people think about you. You shouldn't care about other people persecuting. Because the Bible says you'll have hundredfold in this life, houses and lands, and a hundredfold in this life with persecution. So you, you, you want houses and lands and increase in blessing? The Bible says in the New Testament that there'll be persecution attached to it. People will misunderstand your motives. People will lie about you. People will write things on the internet. People will, will, will accuse you falsely. People will say that you're only after it for money. And none of it's true. And you can't let it bother you. Abraham didn't try to hide the fact that he was rich. Or that he was going to become even more rich. Remember first chapter 13, it says he was already rich. And now we're in chapter 14 when he says that to the king of Sodom. So he already was rich. And, and he acknowledged and identified himself as one that was fully supplied and wealthy. And he wasn't embarrassed about it. And he didn't try to hide it. And he didn't worry, what are people going to think? Are they going to hate me? Are they going to misunderstand me? He didn't care. He just said, I'm not going to let people say that you made me rich. I know I'm rich, but God's made me rich. So there's, there's an element here we've got to take a lesson from this. Uh, don't flaunt it in a proudful, I'm better than you kind of way. But when God blesses you, don't be embarrassed about it. I remember when I got that car, God told me to get that car. He came on me in California and said, when you get home, sell your car. I've got a better one for you. And I did. And he did. <laughs> and I remember I thought, oh, God, I'm not going to announce that. People are going to stumble over that. I'm not going to. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't you ever be embarrassed about what I bless you with. But Lord, what are they going to say? Really, it's like Abraham saying, well, I don't want to say I'm rich because people might misunderstand my motives. No, he acknowledged, he didn't flaunt it in a prideful way and in a better than you kind of way. But he acknowledged and admitted God's made me rich. And I'm not going to let people say that you made me rich. I know I'm rich, but God made me rich. He's going to get the credit. You see, he wasn't afraid to say I'm rich. And see that religious poverty spirit don't want no Christian to say they're rich. Now, listen, uh, rich is different for different people. I don't consider myself rich, but I'm on the way to get there. Praise God. Rich is fully supplied. All that you need paid off. That means your house paid off. That means your car is paid off. That means money in the bank to sow into ministries all over the world. That takes millions of dollars in today's society. 
Maybe if you lived 200 years ago, it would take tens of thousands. But in today's society, that takes millions to have all everything paid and to be able to have money to do whatever you want and sow and help and bless. The Bible says every work and every charitable donation. Paul said. So that takes, a, that takes quite a bit of money. So I'm not at that place yet, so I wouldn't call myself rich in terms of present tense existence. But when I get there, I won't be afraid to say, God's blessed me. God's made me the head and not the tail, and I'm rich. I'm above and not beneath. I'm not going to be arrogant and make people feel less, but I'm certainly not going to be embarrassed and wonder if people are going to attack me. You know why? Because I know they're going to attack me. And I've already decided that I don't care what they say. I want what God wants, and I don't care what they say. Listen, if I didn't care what my dad said, I'm certainly not going to care what some heathen says falsely accusing me. I know the truth and God knows the truth. Amen. Amen. And you need to know the truth in your own heart and not worry what people say. And even though I'm not what I would call rich yet, but I, uh, but I, I have been ready. God's already been starting to say, call those things that be not as though they were, son. Start to say, thank you, Father, I have a full supply. Thank you, Father, that all my needs and desires are met. Thank you, Father, that my house is paid for. Thank you, Father, that I owe no man anything but love. Thank you, Father, that I have plenty in my bank account for every charitable work and every a generous donation to every ministry out there that you lead me to. Father, I declare that I'm so financially blessed and rich. And I said, Lord, are you sure you want me to say that? Because even me, the preacher, gets a little bit like, doesn't that sound arrogant? Doesn't that sound kind of, I don't know, like, like I'm flaunting it? And the Lord said, you, I called Abraham rich. Abraham called himself rich. The blessing of Abraham is on you. What's your problem? Start calling things that be not as though they are and start saying, thank God I'm rich. And you don't have to worry about other people, what they think about you, because I know your heart and I know you're not doing it for money. I know you're doing it for me, but I want to bless you. Now, why don't you start calling things that be not as though they are, son, and start saying, I'm blessed and I'm rich. And so I, 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 I cringed in saying it because my mind wasn't renewed. And then I got down to Jerry Savelle's conference in November last year and Keith Moore stood up and he said, let's make our confession. I can't remember the whole confession, but I remember part of the confession because it kind of shocked me. And he said, hey, everyone's repeating after him. And he said something along the lines of, and, uh, and, I, and I'm a sore and I'm generous and, and I'm the healed and I'm rich. And then he says, and I'm very, very rich and I'm fulfilling the will of God. I mean, he just didn't say rich. He had us all say, and I'm very, very rich, and I'm fulfilling the will of God, something along those lines. But I remember the very, very rich part, because I remember my religiosity kind of got ired and stirred. I thought, I don't know if I should be saying that. My God, people hate me already. They're going to hate me for sure now. But the, the Holy Ghost, see, he's got a revelation. I needed to learn from him. And it's not arrogant and it's not mocking and it's not trying to promote yourself or try to put other people down or trying to be greedy. It's not that because I've already established firmly that your heart's pure. But when your heart's pure and your blessing of granddaddy Abraham is on you and God said he was rich and Abraham said himself was rich and his blessing is on us because of Jesus, God wants us to call those things that be not as though they were. And even Romans 4, 17, when it says that God called those things that be not as though they are, it's in the context of granddaddy Abraham. So granddaddy Abraham, in the context of Abraham, it's talking God called those things that be not as though they were, and Abraham called those things that be not as though they were. And now if God is saying Abraham was rich, I called him rich, he called himself rich, his blessing is on you. Now, 
you do what he did and call those things that be not as though they are. Why don't you call yourself fully supplied? Why don't you call yourself abundantly provided for? Why don't you call yourself very rich? And, and I don't want to swear, but to hell with what anybody else thinks. You hear what I'm saying? I'll say it again for all you religious nuts that get offended. To hell with what anybody else thinks. To hell. What, are, what, what their thoughts are are from hell. Their thoughts can go right back to where they came. That religious, poverty-minded devil that possesses Christians' minds can go right back to where it came from, which is hell, where the devil, where, where evil resides. I'm serious about it. You know, you hear preachers say, you know, that, you know, going to scare the hell out of them. And they're not trying to swear. They're trying to say, there's hell in that young person. There's evil in that young person. And the power of God's going to get that hell out of them. Well, I don't care what people think. Their religious thoughts can go back to hell. That's where those thoughts came from. I didn't say the person could go to hell. No. I said their religious mindset can go back to hell because that's where it's source. That's where it was authored. That's where it's from. You don't find that in heaven. You don't find religiosity and poverty in heaven. So who cares what people think? Who cares what people think? And maybe that's why God, like I said, Taylor, None of this is in my notes. This is all by inspiration of the Spirit tonight. I had good notes. I guess I'll get to them. None of this was on notes. But listen to me. Maybe that's why the Holy Ghost, because I know the anointing, and I know the Holy Ghost is on me to say, tell them to, tell them to start saying they're rich. You start saying you're rich. But I believe, Taylor, the reason why I spent such a long time dealing with heart, purity, and motive is so that nobody listening and watching could ever accuse me. Oh, look, he's being arrogant. Look, he thinks he's better than other people. Look, he's just money-hungry and covetous and greedy. Look, he's saying he's rich. No, because I just spent 40 minutes saying the foundation that that's not the motive of my heart. And maybe that's why God had me do it. Because Anybody out there that would try to accuse me, you can't accuse me if you listen to what I said for the first 40 minutes of this message. And every word of it, hand on the Bible, is the truth. So knowing I've got the right heart, and I'm not in this to be covetous or money-minded or greedy, I understand what I'm saying? Knowing that, just like Daddy Abraham wasn't covetous, money-minded, or greedy, because he wouldn't even take Lot's money. I mean, uh, Sodom's money. Okay. So knowing that, knowing my heart is pure, you all receive that instruction and counsel from the Spirit, but don't leave out the last instruction and counsel from the same Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost wants you to accept and acknowledge that my heart's pure and make sure your heart's pure. But that's not all the thing he's saying tonight. He's also saying, now that you've got the first part established, that your pastor's heart's pure, he wants to teach you through your pastor, even if it ruffles your religious feathers a little bit, to start confessing and saying... This blessing of Abraham is on me. If God made him rich in silver and gold and cattle and he called himself rich, I, with the blessing of Grandpa Abraham on me, I declare that I'm rich. I'm fully supplied and abundantly provided for. I'm rich, rich, very rich. Not just to, not just to blow it on me, but so that my needs and desires will be taken care of and so I can help others. I'm rich, rich, very rich to be a rich blessing. You need to start saying it. And if your religiosity gets ired, squash it. Send that thought back to hell. That's where it's from. 
No, start to call things that be not as though they are. Start to say, I'm rich, very rich, with the blessing of God, with a pure heart, and all that I need and desire is provided, and there's much left over to be a big, major blessing to others. That's what he said. It just came back to me. I'm rich, very rich, and I'm a major blessing to others. That's what Keith Moore would say. I'm very rich and a major blessing to others. You see the motive? You see the poverty, the, the, the purity? It's not just I'm rich to hoard. I'm rich, very rich. In other words, God's blessing is on me strong, but I'm a major blessing to others. And I won't say the details because I don't, I don't think I should over the air. But you know, when Pastor Nancy... When doctor went home and, 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 and they were in a real tight spot financially in that first month, it was Keith Moore's ministry that sent her a generous, very generous donation that helped her through that very hard time. Why? He couldn't have sent the money if he was broke. But because he has the right heart, he understands faith, he is generous, and he is faithful. Because of those things, God has made him rich, fully supplied, abundantly provided for. And because now he's got that wealth, when somebody was in need, like my beautiful spiritual mom, he was in a position to be a major blessing. So before you get upset, remember that I've proven my heart's right. Start to confess that you're rich. And not only that you're rich, but that you're a major blessing. Don't leave that part out. Remember the Bible says that Abraham was blessed and to be a blessing to the nations. So we are not, it's not, it's, a, it's not just the inflow of the Dead Sea with no outflow that becomes stagnant and dead. No, it's the, the Sea of Galilee where there's an inflow from the Jordan to the north and an outflow, the Jordan continues down to the south, out of the south. So we know that it's not just an inflow, I'm rich, I'm blessed. It's an outflow, I'm a major blessing. Don't leave the major blessing part out, but don't leave the rich part out either because you can't be a major blessing if you're not fully provided for. So start to call those things that be not as though they are. Father, we th I thank you. The blessing of Abraham is on me. I thank you, Father, that the anointing to prosper is on me. This is my Hebron year and I'm breaking through and I'm very rich and I'm a major blessing. I don't always get to the end of every sermon and feel like I said exactly what the Holy Ghost wants. And it's a frustration to a preacher to go in the back room and go, Lord, I, I know I said some of it, but I think I got in the flesh a little bit. I think I got this bunny trail too long. And I think I w went with my notes instead of going with the unction. And oh, Lord, <laughs> or I didn't go with my notes when you told me to. And I went with another story that I shouldn't have. Sometimes I go back there and I said, Lord, that wasn't the most skillful delivery that I could have done. I'm sorry. Next time I'll do better. But tonight I feel like I did exactly exactly what the Holy Ghost wanted me to do. I have no regrets going in the green room. I trust none of you are offended. I trust none of you are upset. The fact that I said I'm confessing that I'm very rich because don't forget the next part and I'm a major blessing. Hallelujah. You start to call those things that be not as though they are along with me. And let's believe God that he is going to so increase us that oh, everything we need is taken care of and promise of life and other ministries is also taken care of. There's television coming. There's airplanes coming. There's revival crusades in Africa that's coming. Praise God. I bless the rains in Africa. Brother Taylor, the rains are coming to Africa.
The blessing of God and the rain is coming over that nation, over that continent. I'm telling you, the power of God, the latter rain is going to fall upon that place. And it's going to take millions of dollars just to be able to fund Africa alone, let alone Toronto. So there's a lot of money that's needed. You need to start enlarging your insights and renewing your mind and washing all that religious doctrine out, that poverty thinking out. Get out in Jesus' name. Get it out in Jesus' name. You foul religious devil, I command you, come out in Jesus' name. You come out of that woman in Jesus' name right now. I felt the anointing strike me like lightning there. That religious spirit, you, I command you to come out of her in Jesus' name. Uh, we're, not, we're not playing games with this anymore. That religious thinking, that poverty thinking has got to get out and go back to hell where it came from. We're never going to fulfill the call and the plan of the great apostolic vision of Promise of Life Church with people with poverty thinking and religious mindsets. We need big thinkers, God thinkers. We need entrepreneurs and generous people that know faith, have a pure heart, and are faithful as the day is long. And we will be able to fulfill all that God called us to do and you will have all that you need for your Mickey Mouse needs and desires because what you need and desire is a Mickey Mouse compared to the greatness of the apostolic vision of the church that God planted you in. I'm telling you that there's a despair, there's an evil spirit that came out of a woman. I don't know who you are. He didn't show me, but I, the lightning of God hit me instantly. That's why I reacted so quickly. I'm not trying to do dramatics or trying to scare anybody, but that anointing came on me. When that anointing comes, it's to cast out demons and it's instant. I, I can't, oh, I almost can't control it, although I can, but you know what I mean. There's a woman that's been watching with a religious spirit, a poverty-minded spirit. Now, that thing just came out of you. Now, you lift your hands, sister, and you say, thank you, Jesus. I'm free from a religious mind. Thank you. Say it right now with me, sister. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free from a religious mind. I'm free from a poverty mentality. Thank you, Lord. I'm free. The blessing of Abraham is on me. The blessing of Abraham is on me. Uh, the anointing to prosper is on me. I'm free in Jesus' name, and I call those things that be not as though they were, and I say I'm rich, rich, very rich, and I'm a major, major, major blessing. And you start saying that, lady, and don't let that devil come back. Now, that devils can't possess Christians, okay? The devil didn't possess you, but devils can oppress Christians and mess with their minds and make them think wrong. Praise God. So don't let that back. You stay free, my sister, in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The anointing to prosper is on me. The anointing to prosper. Everybody watching at home. As I close now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really close for real now. But I'm going to say one confession. I want every person watching to say this out loud so your ears can hear you. Yes, Reverend Greg, you too. I don't care who's listening. I don't care what children are around. Every person listening, including the people that are here in this room, I want you to open your mouth and I want you to confess this with me. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, the anointing to prosper is on me. This is my Hebron year. And I am breaking through because the breaker has gone before me. Father, I will not be afraid. I rejoice because you're about to do great things according to Joel 2.21. I say in Jesus' name, I am not religious. I am not poverty-minded. I am not broke. I am blessed. The blessing of Abraham is on me. The anointing to prosper is on me.
And I call those things that be not as though they are. And I say I'm rich. I'm blessed. I'm prospered. I'm increased. I'm very rich. And I'm a major blessing. In Jesus' name, I call it so. I believe it. That's me. That's me. I take it now. In Jesus' name. I'm telling you, the anointing is so strong on me right now. I'm telling you, if you meant that with your heart, that means that the power of God in your words, in your heart is working. Your words have given action now for the power of God to cause that to come to pass. And every time you think about it, just rejoice, because in the rejoicing and the confession, power flows. Just every time you think about it, Lord, I thank you. I'm abundantly provided for. I'm very rich in a major blessing. The anointing that prospers on me, I'm breaking through. Grandpa Abraham's blessing is on me. I'm not embarrassed. I know other people don't believe it, but I believe it. I'm a candidate for blessing, and I'm going to run with it, Father. I'm a runner in Hebron. Hallelujah. Glory to God.